The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We're just continuing as a church to walk through the Gospel of Luke. We actually kind of turn the next chapter literally into chapter 18 today. Uh, The parable that Jesus is going to share is actually in two parts, and both of them talk about prayer. And I think this is interesting for a couple reasons. One, he's just described the end times, what's going to happen when he returns, how we need to be ready for that. I think many people in our day and age would say those are some of the most important lessons that we can learn, to be ready, to be prepared for Jesus' return. And I wouldn't argue with that. But then on the tail end of it, okay, on the tail end of that, he goes, now, as you live, just realize life's not going to be easy And the most important thing that you can do, the most important thing that you need to know next is to pray. And specifically how to pray, and that brings up the second point, you need to pray persistently. You need to be constantly petitioning the Lord. That's how Jesus wants his disciples to get through life. And we don't always look at life that way. We we think of life in this uh, kind of this this way of, okay, I go today, I go tomorrow, then maybe I, I think about the next day. But Jesus is saying, hey, every day is an opportunity to connect with me. Every day is an opportunity to ask my Father to move on your behalf. And we say at Summit that prayer unlocks the power of God. And I believe that is so incredibly true. And it's something that we must do. So in these two parables about prayer, now we're going to break them up because next week is actually Orphan Sunday. So we're going to jump ahead in Luke 18. We're going to break them up. But in these next three weeks, we're going to look at two different parables about prayer. And the first parable is given specifically to the disciples, specifically to Jesus 12, who are traveling with him from Ephraim to Jerusalem They are on the final leg of Jesus' ministry, and he is wanting to instill in them the most important things he can at this point. And he says prayer, persistent prayer, is one of those things. He says you need to always pray. Never stop praying. Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray don't give up. He says this to his disciples. Now, this is very unusual for Jesus. Typically, when he teaches in parables, which he's going to do, he gives the answer or what is the truth from the parable at the end. But here he gives it first going, hey, hey, I'm about to tell you a story. I'm going to make it up to illustrate the point I just made. You should always be praying. Don't give up. Keep pressing in to the Lord. Now, as he says this, I want us to hear from Paul some of my favorite verses in Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says this, Rejoice always. That's a command. We should always be celebrating. Pray continually. Verse 17 in the Greek is the shortest verse in the Greek Bible. Why? Because it's only one word. It's one verb. Pray continually. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does God want for you? He wants you to be a person that rejoices constantly. 
that prays continually and that celebrates all that God is doing and gives thanks in all circumstances. That's what he desires for you. That's his will for you. And I ask you, church, is that you? Are you the type person that rejoices always? Are you the type person that prays continually? Are you the type person that gives thanks in all circumstances? I I want you to take a minute. I want you to take a minute and just let verse one of Luke 18 kind of sink in. This is what Jesus wants you to do. Is that you? Are you someone who pushes into prayer? Someone who always prays and doesn't give up? Pray even when you feel like stopping. Pray. Pray more. Persistent, sustained prayer is a survival tool that Jesus wanted his disciples to have to make it through this world. Because we all know it's not that easy. It is a tool that he gives us to say, my heavenly father will be with you. All you have to do is ask. I know for me personally, I feel much more in step with the Lord when I pray. And that sounds foolish, I know, but I have no excuse. It's senseless, the times in my life when I fail to pray, but it happens. And I I just want to be candid with you so that you know you're not alone. There are seasons when I fail to pray, but those seasons I feel so disconnected from the power source. I feel so disconnected in life. And then when do I feel reconnected? When do I feel the power? It's when I fall on my face and pray. It's when I persistently petition the Lord. That's when I feel the most full. That's when I feel the most alive. And that's what Jesus wants his disciples to know. Hey, guys, guys. You can worry about when I come back all you want, but what I want you to do today, I want you to pray. I want you to talk to my father. Why? Because God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. And Jesus is going to teach this parable in the next few verses. He's going to talk about an unjust judge, a shady judge who after a while of being petitioned by this woman, finally relents and gives in. And he's going to compare and contrast our heavenly father with this unjust judge, our just heavenly father, who is a great judge against this shady judge to help us see that even the shady people, if you pester them enough, if you're persistent enough, they'll listen. Luke chapter 18, verses two through five. Jesus said this, in a certain town, Notice he doesn't name one because this is a made-up story. There was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. That is a dangerous combination. There's no higher power he's worried about and no one in the community he's worried about. Verse 3, in this same town there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, help me, grant me justice against my adversary. I need justice. I am being harmed in some way. Jesus doesn't give us clarity as to what had happened to this woman, but she was being attacked. She was victimized and she begged, begged the judge of the town to give her justice over and over and over again. Verse four, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, that because this widow 
keeps bothering me. She keeps persisting, even though she, because she keeps going, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That Greek phrase, attack me, means to strike someone underneath the eye. We would say, give them a black eye. So this judge is afraid of this woman that after a while, she's going to get so frustrated, she's going to come and punch him in the face and give him a black eye. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to relent. I'm going to give her the justice that she deserves because she is so persistent. This parable is super clear. We have a villain of a judge. We also have in contrast in our heavenly father, who's a just judge. For hundreds of years in the Roman Empire, there were magistrates that were put over large cities, but the smaller towns would have a sheriff slash judge put over them. Sometimes it was even over multiple communities. Think of it similar to rural Oklahoma. You, you don't have a ton of law enforcement out there. And you've got this judge who is absolutely susceptible to bribery, absolutely susceptible to any kind of scheme. It, their Fairness is not on the radar. All that judge wants is to make their life better and to possibly move up the political ladder to a better position, to a better post. And so this woman who has nothing, it's rare that a woman in the first century would appear in court at all. There, there would normally be a male advocate who would go on their behalf, but apparently this woman had none. She had no sons, no husband, no sons-in-law that could speak on her behalf. So she just persistently went to the judge. She went over and over and over again saying, this person is my adversary and I need justice. And eventually the judge relented. This is a parable of contrast, not comparison. Luke 18, verse 6. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. So he's asking his disciples now to remember, what did I just say the unjust judge did? I will see that she gets justice. Verse 5, if you want to circle that or underline it, that's what Jesus in his parable taught. I will see that she gets justice. Even a terrible judge will eventually listen. And since this is a parable of contrast, not comparison, how much more so will your heavenly father listen to you and care for you and hear your pleas for justice, hear your pleas for help, hear your pleas in those moments of need. Jesus continues, Luke 18, verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Another great opportunity to underline or highlight there, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? Anytime you see unanswered questions in the Bible, Anytime you see these, the answer is almost always no. So will God not bring justice for the chosen ones? Those who cry out to him day and night, will, will he not bring them justice? No, of course he'll bring them justice. Of course he will. Will he keep putting them off? No, 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 no. He'll hear their pleas. He'll hear their cries and he will respond. God cares too much for you to ignore you. I think there's someone listening today that needs to hear that. God cares too much for you to ignore you. 
He's not going to fall asleep at the wheel. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to love you and care for you because he loves and cares for you. You need to hear that. You are special in his eye and he desires relationship with you. He has your back. Romans 8 verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Can anyone bring a charge? No. No, because you're his. You were bought with a price. You were created in his image. You are his and he has you. Who can bring a charge against his chosen? No one can. It is God who justifies. He is the good judge. Far better than the one in this parable. And he cares for you. God wants you, wants you to ask him. He wants you to petition him. So there's no confusion as to who gets the glory. That's why asking is so important. He needs us to ask him so that when he moves, he gets the glory. You don't have to be special to see him move. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to look or act the part for God to hear you. None of that. None of that. You do not have to do anything to earn God's favor or his love. He gives that to you by his grace. You have to do nothing, but you must ask. And you must ask frequently so that when he moves, you get the glory, or he gets the glory. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. I very rarely read out of a different translation than the NIV, but this is actually the New Living Translation, just because I think the wording of it is so accurate. It's so beautiful. It says this, You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Obviously, that's hyperbole. But you do whatever it takes to get it, to get what you want. You're jealous of what others have. I feel like that's our society right now. So many people are driven by comparison. Oh, they've got that. Well, I should have that too. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. I should have that. I deserve that. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, even when you do pray and petition, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure, not what will bring him glory. I've told this story before, but I'll never forget these words from my mom. Bryce, our oldest son, when he was in Paige's belly, we had an ultrasound and it showed that there was some ligaments and some tendons in Paige's belly that were threatening him as the baby growing in her womb. And we were told that this is bad. This can be very, very serious. You, you, need, you need to take this, take this serious. You need to go to this high-risk OB. Like, I mean, it was, it was the scariest thing ever. And I remember coming home from that appointment going, this is our first child. We didn't know what was, what was, which way was up, but we were terrified. And we hit our knees and we prayed and we went to that high-risk OB a week later. And when we saw on his super ultrasound machine that there was no longer any ligaments, any, there was no longer any obstruction, there was no longer any problem. I'd seen it the week before. It was there. And then a week later, it was gone. 
And I remember getting on the phone after that appointment and calling my mom and saying, it's, it's a miracle, literally. It's a miracle. The, everything that was bad is gone. It's all good now. And she, she was so happy. She was, she'd been praying her face off for a week, just like we all had. And she was so happy, but she goes, why don't we? Why, why does it take the possibility of death for us to hit our knees? And that's the point of Jesus' parable here. We need to be persistent in our prayer. We need to be consistent in our prayer. We need to be petitioning the Lord. Why? Because A, he wants it. He wants to hear it from us. But B, it's because by us petitioning him, then he gets the glory. He gets to move and act according to our wishes and desires as long as they align with his will. And when we ask with the right heart, he responds and he loves to do that. Prayer unlocks the power of God and persistent prayer moves God because he cares. Many people miss the meaning of James chapter four. We think that through persistence, God becomes more willing to respond. Like, like we're winning some kind of an arcade game. If we just get a high enough score, then God answers the prayer. If, if we pray it seven times in six days, then God answers. But that's not the case. That's not the case. We're not trying to do that. Instead, we learn that in our persistence, God does not become more willing to give us our petition but instead we become more able to receive. I, I want to read that again. God does not become more willing to give us what we petition, but instead we become more able to receive. That humbling work of prayer, that persistence of going again and again to the Lord for what it is that we need or desire, that readies us to receive his move. When my mom says, why don't we pray like this more often? But we don't do that because it's not serious enough. But when we do, when we do as Jesus commands here, when we persistently petition the Lord, it prepares us to receive more and more of his goodness because he's going to get the glory. We're no longer hedging our bets. I'm, I'm going to trust this, this, and this, and I'm going to pray a little bit to just season it all. We're not hedging our bets and said we're just fully trusting in Jesus. We're laying our petitions and requests before him. This works in every area of your life. And, and I'm just going to list a few here, but every area of your life, this prayer works financially. It works relationally. It works medically. It works. Persistent prayer primarily changes the petitioner but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful change because in the transition of us just wanting from God, we become compassionate in our desire for him. We desire more of him. It makes you more faithful. It connects you to the creator of the universe. It makes you dependent in the best possible way because it's not all about you. It's not about your ability anymore. It's about him. Persistent prayer will change you from the inside out. As we finish our passage today, Luke chapter 18, verse 8. 
Jesus says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice, this unjust judge. He will see that they get justice and he'll do so quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That phrase quickly is better translated in a short span of time. So God absolutely hears our prayers, but he moves in accordance with his will and his purpose. Oftentimes in our culture, we want to pray and see the result. And all that Jesus says here is that this unjust judge will respond quickly or in a short span of time. But remember what 2 Peter 3.8 says. Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. You will receive an answer. God will answer your prayer. It could come at any time. When it does come, it will seem as if it's swift because he will move in response to his will for his glory. God's answer to your prayer will come. It may not be the answer you want, okay? But it will come. And until that answer comes, Jesus reminds you, keep praying. Do not become discouraged. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. Just as the widow was persistent, keep praying. Keep praying until you receive that answer. And then the end of verse 8, for when the Son of Man comes, he wants to see people of faith. Will he find them? Will he find them on this earth? I know for me, I hope so. I hope he does. I hope I'm one of them. And while faith is not just tied to prayer, the people that are persistently praying are definitely people of faith. Is that you? One of the greatest testimonies that any person can give on behalf of God is to be a person of prayer because you're saying, it's not all about me. I can't do it all. I need him. I want him. I want to be in communication with him. I want to be in a relationship with him and I need him to move in my life. So in light of that, just a few questions. When's the last time you prayed? For some, you're like, oh, it was right, right before I started doing this. Like, prayers is part of my life. That's great. But for some, it's been a long, long time, too long. When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you were like the persistent widow, advocating for yourself or others? And you don't advocate before a sketchy judge like she did. Instead, you are before God, who's proven through his son Jesus that he loves you and he cares for you. I'll ask you the same question that my mom asked me. Why don't we pray like we prayed that day more often? Why don't we pray like there's nothing else more important? Why don't we petition the Lord daily for seven days knowing that we need him to move. Why don't we do that every day? Why does it have to be life or death? I know for me, it's laziness. It's not a lack of desire. It's laziness. And it's walking through life with my blinders on going, today's pretty good. Why don't we pray like this more often? Why does it take life or death before we hit our knees? 
Jesus says to his disciples, be prayerful. Be persistent in your prayers. I'll encourage you to do this. Write down your prayers. It takes a few extra minutes, but it's incredible. Write down your prayers and continue to pray that prayer until you can write an answer beside it. The answer may be no, it may be wait, it may, but continue to pray that prayer until you can write an answer down beside it. Don't, don't just be lazy and flippant with your prayers. Write them down. Pray them. If a messed up judge in Jesus' parable can be moved by persistence, how much more will your heavenly father be moved by your pleas, the pleas of his children, by your petition? Church, this parable could not be any easier to understand. What does Jesus want you to know? What does he want you to do today? One thing, pray. Pray. And don't stop praying. It's the best thing that you can do in this life. Pray. So Father, help us learn how to pray. Call us by name so that we might petition you as a heavenly father, as a God that we know and trust, and as the just judge who desires to give justly to those who petition him. May we see heaven and earth move as we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. And may it all be for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen.